I'm Ivor Wolf. Welcome to another episode of Geek Skeezers Googleization, a show from the People Forward Network. And I'm Jason Cochran. Thank you for being part of Googleization Nation. If you think this is just another podcast, think again. We are the heart and soul of crucial conversations focused on helping you reimagine your tomorrow and exploring the convergence of technology, people, and work. And on this episode, you are going to hear from Nikki Llewellyn on the surprising power of community. Nikki is the founder and chief meaningful work officer of the People Forward Network. Her passion shines when it comes to building relationships and helping others find meaningful work. This has led to her extensive history of working alongside purpose-driven workplaces and helping them develop strategies that achieve their goals and grow revenue. And as an aspiring philanthropist, Nikki holds various nonprofit leadership roles that advance the causes closest to her heart. And Jason, you and our listeners might remember that just a few weeks ago, we heard from David Shar. He was our guest, a wonderful conversation. He shared a few words that still kind of resonate, they're bouncing around in my head, to describe why community is so powerful, especially today, because we're in the third year of disruption, isolation for many people, and the pandemic ramifications are still evolving. We still don't know where everything is going, and yet the world is moving forward. So what's different in 2022 than before is that millions of people don't feel that they have not only control, but they don't have support. There's a lack of control and the lack of support that just converge. And you shared with me the other day an article from the Harvard Magazine, and it seemed to put another nail in the coffin of getting back to normal. And it fits with what David said about this loss of control and this lack of support. It's not just jobs and work and flexible work that's driving a record number of resignations and spikes in burnout and mental illness, but loneliness. Yeah, that's exactly right, Ira. It's being called the loneliness pandemic by researchers. And in that magazine article from Harvard, they define loneliness as the gap between the social connections that you'd like to have and those you feel you actually experience. And in a national 2019 survey that was led by health insurer Cigna, they found at that time, again, this was pre-pandemic, that 61% of Americans reported feeling lonely, and its effects can be deadly. In fact, the heightened risk of mortality from loneliness equals that of smoking 15 cigarettes a day or being an alcoholic, and it exceeds the health risks that are associated with obesity. That's absolutely mind-boggling. And then we now are having emerging research that shows that loneliness can even cause harmful changes in our DNA expression, according to epigenetic studies. So as you put it, the record number of quits isn't just due to jobs and work, but it's this low-grade fever of loneliness that many folks just can't shake. And it's a good reminder that loneliness isn't about being alone. It's about not feeling connected in the right ways. And I've just got four words for our listeners. You've heard me say this over and over again. We're going to repeat them. Future shock and never normal. These words really describe our new reality, our new normal. The shift hit everybody's plans just a few years ago. And our goal here on Geek Skeezers and Googleization is to help people move forward and grow, not be left behind. We couldn't have a better guide and leader in this space than Nikki Llewellyn. Hey guys, I'm so excited to be here today. 
I love collaborating with you all. So, and one of my favorite topics. Well, you, you know, our conversations are always a whole lot of fun, Nikki, and uh, we're so happy that you're here and we're so happy that we're part of the People Forward Network. And we'll get into that toward the end of the show. But let's start out with, it seems that community, you know, is what people are looking for is that social interaction, not just going out and partying because people can have a ton of friends, but still be lonely. Community seems to be that solution. So Nikki, how did you get started on this? Where did you start putting the pieces together? Where did your passion for building community come from? You know, sometimes you look back and you're like, wow, I just accidentally stumbled upon this. But I do believe that the good Lord put me on this path, but in an interesting way. I was one of those people in high school that wasn't real excited about career and, you know, college and all of that. I think it's because my viewpoint of work was I'd always seen my family live for the weekends and live for vacation. And so I had a therapist help me get clear on what was really important to me and do some testing and things. And we landed on me going down the path of becoming a mental health therapist and becoming a counselor to people as a way to help people. And in my fourth internship experience from my undergrad and graduate degree, I landed at an employee assistance program after the first three internships were just not a fit. But the EAP really helped me see like employers invest in services to help their people love work and be their whole self at work. I had just never even known that there were services like that or employers like that. And it really changed my understanding. And so landed in this EAP, it was my first job outside of college and I was doing therapy and the owner of the organization, there was about 30, 35 employees. I'd never been exposed to entrepreneurship or small business. And she said, have you ever taken like a disc or a Myers-Briggs or anything? Because I think your skill set is sales. And at that time, all I knew is sales. I'm thinking like car sales or something. I, I It wasn't a compliment. And I'm like, I went to school for all of this and you're saying sales. Well, what we found out was being at the EAP, my heart was in helping people find fulfillment and work, that space. And then we quickly found out that my skill set was in business development or like revenue generation or entrepreneurship. And it started to set me down this path. And I quickly learned the easiest way to start to apply the sales techniques I was learning was to meet friends that were also on a similar journey. So I started joining networking groups and I came to life. I felt like I was back in like sports teams and it was like, how can we help each other to achieve goals? And then I stumbled upon Rainmakers, which then many years later became my business and has kind of set me on that trajectory. But that's how I got here. You know, what's so interesting, Nikki, and this can be a whole other topic away from this. But the fact is having a career in mental health, helping other people and sales, having that title of salesperson or mental health therapist is like oil and water, except it's not. I mean, job titles are really harmful. And we've talked about that before, you know, starting with the even a three-year-old kid is what are they going to be when they grow up? All through school, what do you want to be when you grow up? And everybody picks this title rather than aligning their passions, aligning their purpose, what they're good at. And it's also being able to integrate something like sales and mental health. Well, and you know, the mental health training that I had was so rooted in relating with people and how to understand that other person and really what was important to them and speak their language and really build a relationship before you can ever start to solve problems. And that is sales. Like it's the same thing. And where I think the people 
have challenges with sales is they miss the relationship aspect. And they're like, I'm Sandler trained. I know the seven steps or whatever, however many there are. And they just go for those steps versus the key foundation, which is relationship building. I think that's just so important. And Ira, I wanted to bring up as we were prepping for this episode, you came up with this title, The Surprising Power of Community. And when we say surprising, I don't think anyone disagrees that community is valuable. But I think many people underestimate the power of it and don't prioritize it like they should because relationship building trumps everything else. If you have amazing relationships with your people in your company, they could be 100% of your talent sourcing solution. There are companies out there that get 100% of their new recruits from their current you know, people, their employees. And you look at almost any business outcome, grow the business, new leads through relationships, anything. And so I think the foundation is relationships is the number one skill set you can have. And then being involved in community is the core that builds systems for you to really make the most of that. And Nikki, you've done a tremendous job of building community within all of the organizations that you're a part of. What are some of the tips that you have that help leaders and organizations do a better job of creating those connections because so much of the loneliness that people are experiencing, a lot of it does have to do with work where they're just putting the blinders on, they're showing up, they're punching in, they're punching out, and there's not truly a sense of community. So in your intro, you were sharing about experiencing the relationship or the social impact that is ideal for you. Like people are yearning for that. And I think you have to get clear on what does that mean for you as an individual first, what does an ideal relationship look like for you? You have to define that because it's different for everyone. And as you go out to start building relationships, we have to realize that we're only one person and we can only manage so many relationships. Yeah, there's a lot of tools out there to help us with staying in touch on social and email and all that. But when it comes to your core people in your life, you only have so much room for that. And so you have to start with understanding what is a meaningful, fulfilling relationship, one, and two, who are the most strategic people that I need to align with that I can most help, that we can both help each other. And so since going back to where I shared my trajectory for my profession shifted, it was in sales. I've always looked at that from a, what are my goals right now? And who are other people who share my goals? Those are the people, if I joined a community, let's say in my local, I'm in Indianapolis and I joined the local Indianapolis Rotary. There's, let's say 500 members in the Rotary. I would narrow that down based on other people in the membership that are working on similar goals to me. So if I was advancing and adding value to HR leaders, I'm going to find other people that they're working on that too, versus someone else that's working to alongside facilities directors, or they're trying to advance in manufacturing or something. I'm going to look for people with shared goals because I know that I have assets there to be able to pour in and help them. And a huge key is being authentic in your relationship building and pouring into them first. Like, it's not like, oh, I'm just, I'm pouring into them to get, but knowing that the first step is to make sure that you're pouring into those right people and building the relationship, but you're putting deposits before you're ever asking for anything. That it, that's very foundational. Your title is Chief Officer of Meaningful Work. Everybody's searching for this meaningful work. People want flexibility in their lives, but that's a symptom of this 
looking for being able to spend more time with their family, find work that's important to them. We have this great resignation going on. The Guardian just released a really interesting article. And they talk about the great resignation is going to turn into the great regret because they surveyed 2,500 people who left their jobs to seek more meaningful work, more purposeful work, and 75% regret that decision. And it didn't hit me until just five minutes ago. People are leaving for this flexibility to be recognized to an escape. Maybe they're just running away from their past job and now's a good time to do it, or they had an offer. Yet when they get there, they're still not finding that purpose, that meaning, or maybe they're really lonely because now the one thing that they had in their old job was they knew the people. It was familiarity. Even if they were working at, at home, they still knew who was on the Zoom call with them. They recognized the names. And now they're going into a new environment that is different for every organization. I don't care what organization you're in. The environment's different. People are still fumbling away, trying to find their way. They're still lost and maybe lonely. First thing that comes to mind is a tool I learned a few years ago. It's a Japanese tool called Ikigai. And I bet you guys have heard of it. And Ikigai is a reason for being. And it's really a core system or framework for you to understand what meaningful work, and you could probably apply it to anything, but I I talk about meaningful work because I get referred at least 10 times a month, someone's neighbor, best friend, someone that is on a meaningful work journey. And they're like, could you talk to my friend just to kind of help them understand direction? And I always go back to Ikigai because it's a framework. You should Google image it. And it's really the center of your passion, your mission, your profession, and your vocation. So it's like what you're good at, So going back to my first boss, helping me to see that I was on a path that probably wasn't going to bring out the best in me because I wasn't using my best strengths and help me with those assessment tools. So I always tell people like, start that in high school. So you don't like get all the way through a grad degree to understand that. What are you good at? What do you love? What does the world need? And what can you be paid for? And the mix of all of that, the center of that is Ikigai. And so I think from where we're at right now with people mass exiting their their roles, I think they're jumping the gun and not maybe taking time as much as we could be on really understanding that reason for being or that Ikigai and then getting very clear on if I'm going to leave this, I need to have my sights set very clearly on where I'm going before taking that step. You had a good boss that painted you in the right direction. There's a lot of bosses that go, I'd love to do that. I have no idea how. I don't know how to help someone find their purpose. I'm sure there are a lot of listeners out there that are saying, how do I start? What do I even say to somebody other than, well, what are you really good at? What are you really interested in? And and most people are going to go, I don't know. As with a lot of things, I like to start with what's worked. So if someone's stuck in sales, it's like, well, let's go back and reflect on what's worked. And then maybe we can build upon that. So I will typically ask someone, share with me an experience you had when you felt alive in the work that you were doing. And there's been times where someone will describe a volunteer position that they had for a weekend and we build on that. And it was like, help, let's unpack that. And then have you ever done the exercise five whys where someone says like the answer, you know, their weekend job serving at the dog shelter. And then you ask why, and you ask why, and you ask why. And pretty soon they found the answer and they said, 
there's just something about solving problems around a cause. And then you start to see that like nonprofit work is so important to them and they've never been in that effort except for the time that they did the weekend work. And so it's really a mix of where have you felt alive and work at some point, or maybe you were inspired by someone else's role that you've been in contact with and you saw that and it brought you alive just experiencing it and build from there. And then really that five wise exercise to understand here's the surface answer. Let's get to like, what is that core? And that really helps the homework that I send people off with. in almost every first session is to unpack Ikigai, go into a quiet place, look at Ikigai and just journal it out. And almost all the time, those answers come to you. There's a reason why people say I get my best ideas in the shower because that stuff's inside us. We just need the right questions to ask ourselves and we need to be quiet, which most of us aren't. It's so true. Sometimes the reason those best answers do come in the shower is because we're relaxed. We're not thinking about anything else. And I think for so many of us, we don't realize how hurried and rushed we are because it's the normal. And then whenever you take it back a gear and you actually do some relaxation techniques or something, then you actually find out what true relaxation is and how it opens up your mind. I actually keep a journal next to my bed because a lot of my best and most creative ideas happen in the middle of the night. And if I wake up, then I'll reach over and I'll jot those down. And if I don't do that, then typically I'll forget them. And so I think that's wonderful advice with the whys, the making sure that you're taking time for relaxation and meditation to really calm your mind and open up your mind and set the right energy in place to search and find those things, I think is critically important. And the Ikigai for our listeners, just so you know, there's lots of videos that you can watch as well and find stuff on Google about this. It's spelled I-K-I-G-A-I. And so highly recommend based off of, of Nikki's recommendation there, check it out. There's a lot of wonderful free resources out there that you can use to help unpack Ikigai for yourself. The other thing I was thinking about when we uh, titled this, you know, the surprising power of community, I think a couple things. Community is a built-in accountability system that I many times don't think that we recognize from the outside. But if we really sit and think about it, if you join a community at your gym, you've built yourself an accountability system to be regular as part of a group to push yourself, to get inspired by other people. You want to show up and get better every time. And I think in almost every area, if you're going to join a a leadership community, you are pushing yourself because of the other people around you that are peer supports in this built-in like push to help you get better, which I think sometimes we underestimate. Maybe for you guys, you could share an example of a time that you were part of a group And when you stopped that group, you started to fall off. Your your progression and growth wasn't advancing nearly as much when you didn't have that. Oh, yeah. I've got one. It's a group I'm about to start (laughs) literally 15 minutes before we went live today. At my CrossFit gym, the owner said, hey, we're starting up an Olympic weightlifting class one night a week. Do you want to join? And I'm like, hey, sure. Why the heck not? I've never done Olympic weightlifting. Let's do it. Let me tell you. I would never do Olympic weightlifting on my own. So if I did not have the power of that community where there's going to be 15 other people doing it, I wouldn't be showing up and doing something that's out of my comfort zone. Great example. I've always exercised, but I do it best when I go to a facility. 
and I have all the equipment. I've had every exercise machine. I've got bands. I got ropes. I got weights. You know, sold most of them because they're just sitting around collecting dust. But the fact is, walking in that door and somebody says, "I haven't seen you for a while," it's like accountability. Or I wanted to increase my flexibility. So with age and sitting around for two years, I was exercising, but I, I was doing cardio. I, I really wasn't doing flexibility. So I started with a personal trainer. Now it's like, I've got to work in between those days so I don't embarrass myself when I go back to the personal trainer. It's like, I'm paying her. She should be pushing me. And it's like, oh, I don't want to disappoint her. Yes, absolutely. And so that side is accountability. The other side of that example is you don't show up one time and you got people texting you. There's that component to the loneliness factor where you have people that expect you to be there and they're checking in on you. And so I think there's so much to say about being a member somewhere, being a community participant, because it is that built-in accountability. It is that helpful component to fighting loneliness because you're part of something greater and working on something alongside a group of people together. So, so much power in it. That's such an important point, Nikki, because the remote work push, unfortunately, there's been obviously positives to it. A lot of people wanted that flexibility, but the other side of it was be careful for what you ask for because you just might get it. A lot of folks started struggling with working from home because they didn't have the right supports in place. And one of the things they were reporting is starting to feel more invisible. And so do you have any specific recommendations or things you've seen or things you've done that help particularly organizations where more people are working from home, where they feel like people are checking in on them and so that they don't just slide into the background or feel invisible? A couple things come to mind. The first is I love Slack. I love it because you've got these subgroup channels that people are part of, and it breaks down an employer of thousands into small groups that sometimes is related to an initiative for work. But the key is to have these channels that are related to people's whole lives. So if someone loves to read, listen to podcasts, whatever, there's a channel for that. And people are setting gamified goals around the next book that they're all reading together and then sharing key takeaways and things like that. So I think Slack does a really good job. I also think that we can lead opportunities to build relationships in larger group meetings with breakout groups where we dedicate time to relationship building as part of the meetings that we have, let alone something I didn't mention was advocating for sharing your camera. I think that is huge. It you know sometimes overlooked when you're on camera that it, there's a big difference in how you're connecting online. But then as a leader, if you're encouraging much more of a, a meeting format that is inclusive of people and gives people a voice, one way of doing that is putting those small group breakouts and really the topics or whatever they are, the focus is, are we helping them to build relationships w- among each other versus hopping on, waiting for the meeting to start, just listening and popping off, just such a different experience. So I think we have to lead that as leaders. We have to think in every meeting we're going into, am I helping people that are joining to be participants and not just bystanders? As we're talking about community and you articulated that so well, what I can imagine other people on the other side listening to this are thinking that, oh, we're doing that. We're really focused on culture fit which is always this danger of we're going to hire people exactly like ourselves. And then it sort of breaks down. Culture fit doesn't seem to be the same as community. I would totally agree with that. When I think culture fit, I think 
the company core values need to hit you as an individual at your core. And you need to have examples of why those things matter to you in order for that to really be something that brings you to life, life at work. That's one side of it. The other side of it is the way we work at this organization has to feel in tune with how you work well. So if it's like an organization that isn't very tech centric, speed is kind of slow, but you're a pretty fast, high tech person, culture fit is just not there. It almost seems like culture fit is almost the building blocks, but it, it doesn't move. It's not active. It's not alive. Community is alive. Community is about having those relationships, those interactions, that accountability, where culture fit just seems to be this roadmap that people can follow, that here's our list of values. We're going to screen people. We're going to hire people. We're going to motivate. We're going to perform. We're going to incent people on all these values. And it seems right. It's like the technical side. That culture fit side is the ability for your feeling as an individual to be able to experience community. If you're not set up to be alongside the mission and the values and feel those things and the way that these people that you're with every day work, it's never going to feel like community. So therefore, you're never going to get the impact of that. Going back to the, this concept of loneliness and community, uh, what we do know from a research perspective on loneliness is often the people who are the most lonely, it begets loneliness. In other words, they're not going to reach out to take that first step often to develop community. And so what are some things leaders can do to really draw in those people in particular? And maybe some of our listeners today who are saying, yeah, this idea of community sounds great, but I'm more of a shy person. I'm more of an introvert. I'm scared to take that first step. What's maybe a first small step that they could take? Because you've shared with us before, Ira and me, that you're scared of heights, yet you jumped out of a plane. And you were able to plan and prepare for that and got over your fear of heights. How can we help folks get over that fear of taking that first step in building community? Jumped out of a plane with a community of people. We were all working on that fear together. So it made it a lot easier. I think it goes back to what we talked about in the very beginning. Mental health for me and that education was all rooted in connecting with the person and really understanding that person and what makes them tick, what brings them alive. And I think as a leader, if we spend time in our one-on-one -on -one meetings, aside from the, we have a lot to do, got to go, go, go. We really take time to get to know who they are and what they're working on. Really rooted back from a book that changed my life, The Dream Manager, which is about understanding each and every person's dream and whatever that is, big or small, it's their dream and helping to walk alongside that with them and understand what's important to them. You know, before you can start to build out Slack channels that are of meaning for people in your organization or plant powerful questions that help people in breakout groups before, you know, the big presentation meeting for the team, you got to know who your people are. And I think the only way to do that is to start by asking powerful questions that get to know your people and understand who they are so that you're building relationships, first of all, with your direct report or whoever's on your team, and then start to know who your people are and start offering things that you know matter to them. I like to reference this example that you can't read an incredible Patrick Lencioni book on the way home from 
a trip on, on an airplane and because you heard your neighbor company that just got best places, they based all of their changes on that book and then just go apply it to your organization. It doesn't work like that. What someone else did, you can't just take and apply because you have very different people. What's going to fit for you? And so it goes back to really understanding who your people are and building out those relationship efforts based on who they are and getting to know them. We want to talk about People Forward Network because Jason and I are so excited. We are so happy to be part of your community that you are growing and developing. Tell us a little bit about that, you know, who some of the other people that are involved and where it's going. The People Forward Network really is an illustration of what I was sharing in the beginning about bringing people together that are on a shared journey. They're working on similar things. They have assets that could be of help to each other. And our niche at People Forward Network is people first leadership practices. And everyone within our community, be it thought leaders, authors, speakers, podcasters, or service providers like products that help advance appreciation at work or employee engagement or services like amazing employee benefits that we need today or tech-enabled solutions to build engaging workplaces that are remote, or employers that just want to scream from the rooftops like Starbucks that they are not in the coffee business, they're in the people business serving coffee, right? And so we are a community of all of these brands and thought leaders that help each other advance our business efforts together. And it's been awesome to work with you all. We're rooted in podcasts. So we started because of my show, Gut Plus Science, being really a mentoring platform. It started as CEOs mentoring other CEOs on what's worked and their failures and using the podcast medium to share with other CEOs what they've done and what they've learned to help shortcut. I believe so much in mentoring. Like why repeat someone's failure if we can learn from someone else? So it started in podcasting. And so we've brought many different podcasts together that have different niche efforts and focuses in people first leadership. So one show might be geared towards HR leadership, where another show is geared towards the you know chief people officers of these workplaces and how to pour in content. And since creating a consortium of podcasts and all, helping all of our shows have better traction and listenership, we've started to create events where people can come together and learn and have breakout groups where they get to build relationships. Someone in Dallas, Texas meets someone in Los Angeles for the first time because of People Forward Network events, and now they're new peer relationships. And finally, we regularly put out tools that can be, be very helpful for these leaders. Hey, you're needing help in powerful questions for your next one-on-one. Download this resource, and all of it is free to our community participants because of the great partners like you guys at Geek Skeezers and Googleization that constantly create this amazing content to pour into all of these followers. So I'm loving the journey. We launched last year and we just brought on our 23rd partner. So 23rd organization that's part of this uh, consortium. And our mission is do meaningful work, live meaningful life. I believe that so strongly that you cannot live a truly fulfilling life unless you are contributing on earth with the work you're doing, whether it's for pay or not. It brings out the best in us. Our work does is as a contributing person. So we believe so strongly that when you do meaningful work, you live a more meaningful life. And we're on that journey with a lot of people. And we are thrilled to be a part of it, like Ira said, and absolutely incredible stuff there, Nikki. And and so we are going to move now into our lightning round segment of the show. Here we go. First one. If you won the lottery tomorrow, what would you do? 
for years, probably five years, I would say, I have been focused on creating a business where I can work from anywhere so that if anything happens, if an opportunity comes up, like I can just pack my stuff in a backpack and head off. So I would say I would hit the road and I've got a long BHAG list of places I want to travel and I'd bring my work with me. I definitely wouldn't take work off completely. I'd bring it with me and travel to all those amazing places. And what what did you think that you'd be doing uh, when you grew up in terms of work? When I was younger, I, work was not something that I aspired for. It really changed my life when I walked into that EAP and I understood that work could be amazing and you could use your strengths and it's not something to live for five o'clock or live for the weekend. So honestly, I, I don't know. My first profession that I thought I wanted to do is dentistry. So no clue why, um, other than I believe that a nice smile is is important. Well, you and Ira have something in common there. Oh, yeah. And that's where I started, and and it wasn't my passion. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. So, Nikki, what would your classmates be surprised to see about you now? Maybe that I have very dark hair because I was born a blonde. Oh, wow. Yeah. And and so for our listeners, Nikki does have very dark black hair. And so picturing that as blonde definitely is, is, you know, shocking to the system. All right, next one, Nikki. What's your favorite book? The Dream Manager. That book changed my life. I, I read that book maybe two years after the employee assistance program experience. And it was just, it went from understanding this realm of meaningful work to 10 times higher levels. And I still root so much of my inspiration from the book, The Dream Manager by Matthew Kelly. I love that one too. And then what would your word of the year be for 2022? Word of the year for 2022. Why am I forgetting my word of the year? I just blinked on it. But last year, my word was surrender. And it was a awesome word of the year where I have many examples of how I just let things be and started to build a habit around whatever it is is what it's supposed to be and just let it go from there. For example, if I'm on a call, I love business development, as you probably picked up on. And uh, I'm on a call with someone, we're trying to work out a, a deal. And I'm never pushing someone to secure the deal. It is if it is the right fit. And I truly believe, and I say this all the time, this is just the first step of how we could work together. And timing is everything, right? And so I believe, and I've surrendered to I believe God guides my life and that person's and it will happen when it's supposed to happen. I'm going to do my very best as a salesperson to prove the value and find those right fits, but to surrender to what is. And last year, that was my word. And it really became core to me. And I don't get rattled very often, like things I used to. My emotional intelligence used to be on a scale of one to 10, like a two. And it it's up there. I would give myself probably an eight. And I think a lot of it is from learning to surrender to what is and seeing what happens. And that flows in perfectly to the last lightning round question. Ira often talks about in his adaptability teachings and wisdom, he talks about we need to be like water. We need to be adaptable and flow with things. And so thinking of that, if you could be any type of container, what type of container would you be? I don't know why. I just thought of a star. So a star container. I don't know any spokes. And maybe that goes to a core in my life is relationships and connectedness. So I'm like, oh, what container has the most prongs? A star. Love it. Well, and it's also because you're a superstar when it comes to building community too. And Ira, we say this every single week, the time gets away from us. We definitely want to have you back on again, Nikki. 
to talk about community and also talk about a lot of the exciting stuff that continues growing at the People Forward Network. Thank you so much for being on with us today. And how can people get in touch with you to learn more about the People Forward Network? So you can go to peopleforwardnetwork.com or please connect with me on LinkedIn, Nikki Llewellyn, N-I-K-K-I-L-E-W-A-L-L-E-N. Hey, Jason, what was your magic moment today? I think for me, she talked about importance of community for accountability. And that's where we talked about our stories of, you know, health and fitness and how it helps with that. But when she took it to the other side and she talked about it's not just the accountability, but it's the support. It's the people aren't doing it to be like, oh, shame on you if you didn't show up. But if they're truly checking in on you because they care about you, I think that's the piece of community that's so important for us now. And especially as more of us are working in different parts of the country and maybe don't see people on our teams or maybe we've moved away from family, whatever it's happened over the last couple of years, I think it's even more important to reach out to people and check in on them just to support one another. And if each one of us does that, then we'll affect a lot of lives. That connection between where the number one employee demand is flexibility and companies are latching on to this hybrid work, we're going to provide that, but not addressing the loneliness that it can create And it doesn't mean working remote needs to be lonely. We need to create this community. And, you know, even that conversation we had about culture fit, where everybody's diving in that we're going to focus on company culture. Well, company cultures could be just a step. It's like a strategic plan that sits on a shelf that you could have culture fit, but it doesn't change anything. So we're just beginning with this and it opened up a million other doors. And I know you and I are doing some presentations coming up and I'm sure this will all weave its way into that. I'm Jason Cochran. You've been listening to Geek Skeezers Googleization. Be sure to follow us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And I'm Ira Wolf. Thank you for being part of Googleization Nation. Until next time, don't let the shift hit your plans. <laughs>